0: Welcome everyone to our first Surma vlog. We're very excited to present this with uh, two amazing leaders in our profession and members of our Surma advisory board. First, we've got Faith Mason. She's director of workers' compensation for Comcast NBC Universal. Faith, welcome.
1: Hi everyone. Thanks for having me, Rich.
0: Absolutely. No, no. Christian deputy, tell us uh, who you are and what company you're with. Yeah,
2: Christian, deputy uh, with Buckner, we're a regional uh, insurance brokerage firm uh, that also works in the entertainment and sports uh, arenas. So.
0: Welcome, Christian. So at Surma, one of our mission statements is to keep our members on the cutting edge of new developments in the world of sports and entertainment risk and claims and insurance and legal issues. And the good news and the reason we formed is because These issues are springing up every single day. Uh, New issues that haven't been covered, that aren't being covered elsewhere. You will find those discussions here. And our first one ever is going to be on the slap heard around the world, right? The uh, implications of the Will Smith incident at the Oscars about eight days ago. We're going to dive right into what, if any, exposure is there, both on a workers' comp perspective, from a workers' comp perspective, which is Faith's area, and also from a liability perspective. So we're going to start by talking about the workers' comp exposure. Faith, what types of people do you think might file a claim in the wake of the slap?
1: Sure, and thanks, Rich, for having me to to talk about this topic. The the folks that I see being able to file a claim, uh, or at least put forth that an an injury could have happened to them, would be on-air talent. Right. They were there that night working the ones who were working the show could file a claim because for PTSD would probably be the thing that or a traumatic mental experience uh, would be what I would think potentially some. Seat fillers, folks that are working the, the event as people just sort of holding places for people of no or people to, to see at those types of awards, they could definitely feel as though maybe uh, they'd be nervous about attending another such event. I think there was the Grammys was this weekend past, right? So maybe those same seat fillers might have been asked to come to that event. And then they were saying, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm too I'm too nervous. I'm too scared. It was so too traumatic which could be potential for showing the actual damages or, you know, the other group that I mentioned was on screen talent. That's the one to worry about because those could be the big dollars where they're saying as a result of this and feeling the brunt of the trauma that they can't, they can no longer go on stage. And how does that work in terms of workers' compensation?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because I think you're right. There's a whole class of employees that might, be claimants and at first blush you think well why are we even discussing this right because uh, if anything there might be criminal liability for will smith i think that's been discussed uh, extensively and right now to date the lapd has not brought forth criminal charges there might be civil liability as well and christian and i are going to discuss that in a few moments but i think you're right right i mean anytime let's face it anytime there's an incident like this you're going to probably have uh, claims. That's just the nature of our business. But to your point, Absolutely. it's really interesting that I think you showed me a, st- a stat. A poll has already shown that, what, like 30 or 40% of people who watch that event are claiming already some kind of PTSD, some kind of psychological trauma. I mean, I personally can't get it on my head. So I mean, I think I'm in that group. But does that mean that people will file claims? Probably. And I think you're right. And we know, for example, that you don't have to be a physically injured claimant
1: not in to file California.
0: a claim. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, not in the state of California. So it is a state that in, that allows for a mental, mental injury. And what that means for any of the general public who's not familiar with workers' comp is that you do not have to have a physical component in order to file a claim. You could legitimately have some kind of mental trauma and that can amount to a workers' compensation claim in the state. Now, granted, California does have some provisions from an employer perspective, which says that, right, you've got to have 51% of the contributing factor to your mental issue being work, right? And then you also have to be able to show Uh, realistic and actual damages, meaning that you can no longer go forward with working as a result of whatever happened to you, whatever traumatic experience you you had, as well as um, showing that you are mentally incapable of doing that. So that implies some type of medical treatment that you're having that will support what you are saying or alleging has happened as a result of the incident, in this case, the slap.
0: Yeah. And it's really, interesting. I mean, Illinois, where I am, for example, I'm in Chicago. It also uh, allows for mental, mental, in addition to physical, mental, it's very liberal. Um, yeah. But you do have to show as a petitioner, as a claimant in my state, as in many states, that your trauma is related to a single defined traumatic event. Now, right. that's obviously the case here, right? Usually yes. you know, fight those issues because it's hard to pinpoint which incident caused the trauma, in this case, the whole world saw the event. So right, that, the that whole be... world
1: saw your trauma. So right. this is not one of those cases where you won't be able to prove what the event was because we have it on tape from many different angles, from all different vantage points. But the crux of the the case is going to be from a workers' compensation standpoint, being able to prove that it is your it's 51% of your mental condition right so you have no pre-existing history of ongoing mental traumatic things in your personal life as well as the damages right how are you not able to work moving forward right that's gonna be the that's gonna be the crux of it even for talent
0: very very important and our takeaway before we moved on move on to Christian is for our listeners and our viewers Analyze the claim from that vantage point, make a claimant prove their case, even though this is a incredibly well-known event by now. And if someone does file a claim and there is some shock value, remember it's still a claim, right? If there is a claim, it's still a claim and it's still the employee's burden to prove the elements. And to your good point, Faith, uh, you'd have to prove causation. And what I tell my clients every day when there's psychological claims, I've had hundreds of them over 25 years is, there's always something in the past, right? I mean, there's inevitably when you look into a claimant's medical history and they're claiming that one work-related event caused their trauma, inevitably they have a long history of other events. So always do your homework, do your due diligence, look into their prior history. And the second point is, what are the damages? What are the, what's the permanency? Even if you find, even if a court would find that this incident would be compensable, what are the damages? Is there any yes. long-term damages from viewing another person being slapped? Certainly, Chris Rock might have some damages that we'll talk about in a second. But does someone who's in the Dolby Theater viewing that have any compensable, provable, long-term damages? I would say no. It's very hard to prove. Um, how, how would California look at that, you think?
1: I, I honestly, I think it's going to be case by case. Because yeah. if you say it in the sense of on-air talent, right, they feel concerned that they can't go to their next job where they would be a host and tell a joke. There could be there could be a a case for potential damages, Um, especially if we were going with another live studio on its audience where there's an ability to interact and people to get up or heckle or whatever. Uh, So that's a potential. I mean, I think it's I I honestly I think it's far. It could be far fetched, but we've seen a lot of far fetched things in comp. Uh, it's very, it's very open and, and rightfully so for the employee, but as employers, we do have to, we do have to be able to provide defenses. And I think there's a lot of them here for this particular incident as it relates to COMP.
0: For sure. All right. Great points. Turning to liability, Christian, also some unique liability exposure risks involved from a general liability perspective. So the theory is that, you know, Will Smith might be sued by Chris Rock. That's probably the more likely avenue. Even though it seems like Chris Rock wants to move on, we don't know. It's been only a a, a short amount of days, an incredibly small amount in the world of claims. Right when we understand that people uh, frequently don't actually file a claim or a lawsuit until sometime after the event, Chris, uh, Chris Rock has plenty of time to do so. So, if Chris Rock pursues a liability complaint against Will Smith, that seems pretty clear. Cause and effect. He was the victim, but. There's some other potential defendants and likely defendants, right, as well.
2: I, I think so. There's probably a number of likely defendants, uh, Rich. You know, one is the academy. Uh, and, and I'll caveat that I don't understand all the relationships between those, but I can, we, you know, we can conceptually think about it. I, I can think, you know, does the academy have a responsibility um, within it? What was their responsibility for managing the event? What about, you know, do they contract with third? third party providers. I don't know if there's a management company that might have to, that's managing the event. Uh, Maybe there's a security company uh, that's managing the event. What about contracts with the members? Probably my understanding is the Academy, it's a membership. So Will Smith is a member of the Academy. My guess is there's a contract that stipulates some terms and conditions within it. So these are areas that we'd want to explore, both from a coverage standpoint, how the carriers may respond, who may be liable, um, where things uh, may rest there. So I think it's very early, right? We don't understand all of the parties, but there's certainly a number of different parties that may be may have some liability in this may there may be some perceived negligence. uh, And and I'm sure there'll be a number of insurance carriers uh, looking at this that are uh, probably have limits, uh, either from Will Smith's own personal policy, the Academy's policy, different vendors that might have been involved. uh, The theater, I don't know if the theater is owned by the Academy or operated by someone else. Um, All these interested parties um, we'll, we'll need to explore this. And like like you say, it's it's way early, right? We don't know, we, we don't fully understand what the potential damages or implications may be. And as those develop, um, we'll have to explore these different avenues. But there's a lot of different directions where this could go right now.
0: Yeah, really interesting. I want to jump into a couple of points you raised. Number one, the contract that the member being Chris Rock might have signed. Certainly, it would be hard though to argue as someone who argues every day that, a plaintiff is either more at fault than my clients or somewhat at fault. It would be admittedly hard in this situation to argue that Chris Rock, the victim of the slap, was in any way contributorily negligent in this situation, right? It would be hard to tell a jury, well, yes, he got slapped, but either he contracted for that or knew it would have happened or should have been aware. So that's probably out of the question here, whereas in most situations, we're always arguing the defense that the plaintiff has some degree of fault in the incident. The second thing is, what's really interesting is what you mentioned about security. You know, for sure, they are potential defendants. I mean, everyone, to your point, is a defendant. We always know that when a plaintiff files a lawsuit, they're looking at as many defendants as possible, including those who are depocketed. So inevitably, if there was a lawsuit, either the security company would be named or they would be brought in by one of the named defendants. The argument being, and we've all heard these discussions going on in the last week, where was security? Why was this individual, albeit sitting in the front row, allowed to walk in from his seat and accost, batter, a presenter, right? So that is a glaring question that I think I'd be worried about if I was representing the security company. Another overall issue, Christian, is is notice, right? I mean, if I was a defendant, I would argue that, well, this was a, a lone wolf event. This was a random event. And we could not foresee that this would happen. And of course, the question would be, has anything like this ever happened before to put you on notice? The obvious answer is no. That's why we're talking about it, is it's such a strange and random event that, you know, lack of notice of a prior similar event would be a pretty good defense.
2: Yes, obviously, if you're on the defense side, you're you're thinking about that, right? Um, although we've run into various situations where something hasn't occurred, and yet an organization becomes liable for it, that they should have perceived that that risk was there and managed for it appropriately. Um, so, you know, I, I would anticipate if if claims are made, if allegations are made, they're going to allege that they should have known. You had high profile people. It's not uncommon at the event that you're uh, jarring with folks, that you're kind of teasing, so forth. So, you know, they they may come out and say, you should have perceived that this was a risk. And then it comes, but who, who should have perceived that? Who, who is responsible And their income where these complexities come, right? Of all these different parties that each have a part in it and uh, trying to figure out uh, what to do. I guess one of the things we can all learn from if we're in this space, right, is what and how do we avoid this going forward? What do we need to, what do we need to do? Because um, the world certainly a little bit different now regarding these events.
0: And the history part is not so far-fetched because we've all seen now reports over the last week of some history between these two people, right? I mean, we know that Chris Rock had a bit of a beef with uh, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith before. It's not the first time that he made a comment about them. Now, that comment didn't result in what happened here, but there is a bit of a history. In addition, Will Smith slapped a guy before. He slapped a reporter, not as, as violently, but he did have a history of slapping reporters. So, that would all come out during discovery. Very interesting. Maybe we'll wrap up with one question for both of you. And we, we got to say that, you know, we're not, none of our clients, we're not involved in the particulars of this event, nor do we anticipate being involved. But I'd like to ask both of you, maybe we'll start with Faith and we'll end up with Christian. From a reputational protection angle, how important is that if there is a claim or a lawsuit in protecting the brand? Certainly, this is as high-profile, a criminal event as we've ever seen. I mean, you don't really think of it that way, but when we think of criminal events that have been witnessed by people firsthand, this is up there, right? So if there is a claim or there is a lawsuit, how important is getting that out of the way early to brand protection?
1: I mean, I would say that it's very important. I will also caveat that that's not my my ball of wax, I'll, we'll call it, but it is it is absolutely important to always protect the brand, but it's also important to do what's right. So the combination of those two things is what, what needs to happen.
2: Yeah, yeah Rich, I, I think there's a lot of brands involved here. I mean, one of the sure. thoughts I went to was ABC, who has a long-term contract with the Academy to broadcast this. What Obviously, a lot of what's funding this are advertisers and the viewers and so forth. So what does it impact the brand long term and their ability to uh, get advertisers? What type of advertisers? So forth. So all things, you know, we're very conceptual right now and just coming up with ideas. But certainly that brand management will be critical and could be very impactful. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take some time to realize if there really are damages, sometimes these adverse events do just the opposite, right? They drive more viewership. They drive more advertisers that want, um, even though they don't agree with what has occurred, it it does change there. So yes, there's, I think, a lot of different parties um, that are probably concerned about the brand, the Academy, the the advertisers, so forth. And I'm sure everybody's thinking about that, trying to figure out what that looks like down the road.
0: Fascinating discussion. Faith Mason, Christian deputy from Surma. Appreciate it. We'll continue to monitor this issue uh, on our website, on our vlogs, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thank you both.